Welcome to the New York Mandate podcast, where we take a look at the costs and consequences of New York's COVID-19 vaccine mandates. I'm Amy, and in this series, I'll be talking with people who have been directly affected by mandates about their perspectives and experiences. I'm here today on Zoom with Michelle, and she's a teacher and has gone through um, a lot of difficult aspects of what's happening with the mandates in uh, cover New York public schools. So why don't we start by you explaining how that story started? Okay. Um, Over the summer of last year, we started receiving notification regarding the vaccine mandate. I guess it was in August and we were given a certain deadline. And um, uh, September, I went to school and showed up to class, met my students. Um, My deadline for the vaccine mandate was extended to October. I had applied for a religious exemption in the meantime. Um, I awaited my religious exemption uh, notice and upon not receiving any uh, immediate denial, I was still working in the classroom and I was first initially denied my religious exemption, I had the opportunity (laughs) to um, appeal that decision. And I did immediately. And I was denied again. Um, I believe it was October 4th was my last day. I met the students, met some parents, communicated with them, have a co-teacher, worked with her for the last six years, love her to death. And literally had to say goodbye to my students um, because I wasn't just not showing up one day. I'm a very personable person. I build relationships with my students. And for me to just not come back one day, which was we were kind of instructed to not say much of anything. And I didn't tell the kids the reason I just I, I did say to the students, I said, I want you to know my heart wants to be here. I want to be your teacher, but I will, this is my last day. And I let them figure it out because I teach middle school. And in most of my classes, they did. And they raised their hands and said to me, you know, are you leaving because of the vaccine? And I gently was honest and nodded my head. Um, And we all cried. It was horrible. And uh, I haven't been back in the building since. What, what subjects were you teaching? I, I taught sixth grade math um, for 19 years. I, I did teach seventh and eighth here and there, but predominantly sixth grade with, with my experience, <laughs> you kind of have a little bit of a say in program choosing. So, you know, I did love the sixth grade. It was a perfect fit for me. The transi- transitional year, my personality blends really nicely with them. Mm-hmm. I, that seems like a, a little bit of a difficult age, though, too, since, as you say, it's a transitional year. <laughs> Not for me. Not for me. I'm meant to be uh, a, definitely a middle schoolish teacher, sixth grade for sure. Um, being a mom now of a six and a half year old, I can see how I can work with the younger ones because, um, you know, you have to communicate on such a lower level now. And I did homeschool him up until this year. So I do 
see the difference in communication and all, but I genuinely love sixth grade. They're perfect. They come in so impressionable. They're still afraid of you, but they look up to you in a sense and they're new and exciting. And it's a great year for me. So, um, okay. So what, what was the basis for your application for a religious exemption? Um, there were many, why did you decide to apply for that? There are many components to that. Um, I am a Christian. Um, and I'm not going to say that just because I'm a Christian means anybody who is a Christian should not get this vaccine. Um, but I will say that I have a very, uh, deep spiritual life. I have a very strong connection and it, it guides my life. Um, and I knew in my soul with the strongest conviction, obviously, as I'm sitting here today without a job, um, that I was not to do that, not to take that. I felt something very, very morally wrong. Um, and it, I couldn't live with it. I could not live with it. And, um, you know, I, I follow my spiritual guidance. I do. I listen to it, especially when I know it's something that's important, that's been uh, put in me with such depth, with such meaning, such conviction. I can't. Mm -hmm. Um, your, your feeling about it is that it's immoral. Is that, do you, do you have any general objection to vaccines or is it just this particular situation? Um, so that's an interesting question and an evolving one. Um, I've never had such a mistrust in the medical profession as I do now. So with that being said, it's, it's not a, you know, I, as a child, my mom and my dad had me, you know, vaccinated to go to school on the basic, uh, uh, student guideline, um, for public schools. So I myself have, and I am healthy. Um, and my son did have some, um, but I will say to you, I don't say that, uh, confidently anymore, that there is a mistrust, a disease and going further with research and looking into things and components and what is, what are used to make <laughs> vaccines, um, is disturbing to me. Um, and how deeply in bed and political uh, the medical world truly is. Mm -hmm. And world-renowned doctors um, and Peter McCullough, who I follow, uh, are being silenced. Um, and, you know, these are world-renowned doctors that have decades of experience that uh, their hesitancy and their mistrust has, I, I, I see it. I stand behind it. So were you, did you, um, have a negative impression of the vaccine from the beginning, from the time it was rolled out? You were, yeah. you were skeptical about it from the beginning. Yeah. Something seems really wrong. Mm -hmm. I'm just, you know, I'll share this personally. I, I had a really hard time from the beginning with, um, you know, personally, I don't judge anyone else but for any of it, the masks or the vaccine, but I, I, I could not, the whole masking, 
it made zero sense to me. You know, I had not that I'm any kind of a doctor or in, in, in medical, but I, I worked in a dental office since I'm 16 years old, part-time here and there. And if I could tell you how often no one wore a mask and we were in people's mouths, <laughs> like I just, and I, I just can't, I, I, I it, to me, it was such a statement, such a movement of change, such an influence that something in my soul screamed, this is not okay. Mm-hmm. And that's really why my son was homeschooled because I, I, I did not want him part of that world to know or believe that that's okay. It's not. So your son was in um, a, a city school no. a, in a different school, but they were doing the same kind of um... similar, not yeah. as extreme, not as extreme, but there was the whole masking and the, social distancing, which I don't agree with, you know? So when, go ahead. Uh, oh, I was, I was going to ask uh, when, when you took him out of school, but what were you going to say? <laughs> he, he basically, this was his first year in school, but he only, he, so he, his first year was kindergarten. He didn't go to any preschool. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's in Long Island school district. Okay. So that was, uh, when, when did he uh, stop going to school in 2020, I guess, probably? He only began school in 2021. In 2021. Okay. Yeah. So he started and then you said, this is not the situation you want, you want him in. He went in for kindergarten in September of this year and mm-hmm. he stayed, he stayed in through this year, but prior oh, okay. when okay. everything started in 2019, he really hasn't been in school. He went to school for like two months. And that was, so I don't even count it because I really pulled him right away. I wasn't having it. Right. And then how did that, um, how did the remote education um, that took place uh, during the pandemic um, work for you? There, I know that there are different policies in different schools. Um, yeah. what, what were you doing during that period while you were presumably also homeschooling your son? Yeah, so I was remote. Mm-hmm. I had a remote position with the New York City Board of Ed for that year, and I kept my son home, like I said, and I had his babysitter that he's had since he was like two years old. So I set up a structured curriculum for her to follow with him to prepare him with the anticipation that he would be going to school. And I worked remotely from an office in my house. And it was it was nice in many reasons, you know, many ways, because excuse me, on my break, I was obviously able to see, you know, my son and my family and be a part of everything. And then I had my own personal space because when I was remote, more than half of my students were also remote. So there was a benefit in me being remote because my co-teacher, she took the in-person and I basically took the remote and it was a much easier flow there were times that we would do the kids live stream together with me live streamed and the other kids live streamed. But in that setting, it's not ideal most of the time because the students that are in person kind of take over the instructional scene mm-hmm. and the remote kids are backed out like as me as well. So it only works with like certain um, educational fun games and things like that. And even to just connect with each other and remind each other that we are a class and we are part of the same team and keep that connection alive. 
But for the most part, it worked out really well having me meet with my students remotely and her do the in-person. So um, I actually have also been able to work a little bit remotely this year and having the foundation from that year, setting up a Google Classroom using various different platforms really helped me and supported me in the few months that I was just able to do a little bit of remote work when I was quote unquote terminated by the DOLE, which I'm not, but that's part of our story. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that. Um, okay, so when you said that you were doing some remote work this year, you're not talking about for the DOE, or are you? No. No, you're talking about you, you found a, an agency. Other, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, let's talk about this peculiar uh, status situation that you have. Mm -hmm. So just to, just to um, back up a little bit, you were terminated, you received a termination letter when? March. In March. Uh, okay. This year, March 2020. This year. Right. Yeah. Um, and then what happened with your status after that? Okay. So I'm going to back up a little bit to just give some foundation because not everybody received the same letter. I was basically given the option, either I sign a document that puts me on a leave without pay, keeps my health insurance for my family, and says that I'm basically saying if I don't get vaccinated by September 5th of 2022, then I am resigning voluntarily. So I couldn't do that. Again, something in my soul screamed, that's not okay. I would never resign from my position. I'm never getting that vaccine. Um, I'm not backing out of this. I'm not signing. Oh, and it also waived your rights to sue by signing this form. So thank you so much. You're going to give me my health insurance for eight more months. And to do so, I waive my right to sue and I must be vaccinated by September 5th. So I sat down with my husband, long talk, together firmly stood not signing it. So we were threatened in the email as well that if we did not sign, they would seek our termination, which as a tenured teacher, you cannot just be terminated. I have to be charged with something. I have to have committed a crime. Um, so I never signed the paper. January came, which I also didn't add this in, but we were given an additional appeal for our religious exemption. The city agreed that they would give us a fresh look after a court hearing. And so I was given a fresh look. So I technically still now, even though I didn't sign that document in December, I still had all of December um, with my health insurance coverage because I was not formally denied my religious exemption by the citywide panel yet. January came, I got my final denial, which I knew I was going to receive. Following that, I received a documentation stating that I would be losing my health insurance. Following that, then came March, I received a letter in the mail and an email from the DOE telling me that I am terminated. They sent a packet for health insurance, COBRA, which costs more than my mortgage a month. <laughs> and obviously I did nothing with that. And from that point now, legally, after my termination, I can now work, right? Because I'm free from their bind. So March comes, I have some health problems. 
I'm kind of set back emotionally and physically. I don't have it in me to move forward. Um, and April comes, I'm still in that place. And May comes and I'm pretty much still in that place and I'm starting to get myself a little bit back together. And I say to myself, I need to like make some phone calls. I have a pension I've put into, I need to now get myself together and figure out where I'm going from here. And I had a day where I found the strength in me, you know what, I'm just going to call. So it was June and I called, um, first I called TRSTDA, where my pension is and my annuity, because I wanted to ask them what happens to my money and what do I do with it and can I get my annuity? And I was told that I cannot touch my annuity because I'm on a leave without pay. I'm not terminated. So I went into the system myself, logged in, and there I was, able to get in, shown as a leave without pay, and it actually gave me two options. It said, would you like to get vaccinated or return to work, or would you like to resign? Again, of which I will do neither. I'm not resigning from my job, and I'm not getting vaccinated. So it made my wheels turn. I got off the phone with them. I almost wanted to be terminated, but then I was so excited that I wasn't. I'm like, there's hope here. It put hope in me, but yet you still want closure. It's such a mind game, you know? Mm-hmm. I called the union and I spoke to a woman on the phone for an hour. And she assured me that I was not terminated, that it was an error sent to us. Our termination, all the termination letters were an error. She said the word error at least three times. And the city's still in negotiations and they don't know what they're doing with you, but they know that they can't legally terminate you because you have to have a 3020A hearing. Okay. I call my school. My secretary, my principal go into SOLAS and there I am listed in the big hub system on a leave without pay. I am not terminated. So between March and June, you received no communication from anyone about any change in status? Nothing. For all I knew from March until I made that phone call at the beginning of June was I was terminated. And I was sick. Literally sick. Destroyed me. <clears throat> you, you, were, uh, you were actually ill. Yeah, I, I actually... <clears throat> The very first day I opened up my termination letter, the one that was sent in the mail, because I didn't check my email, I started, as I was opening it, and as I read it, my face started breaking out with rashes spotted all over that were burning. That whole week went by, and I had all these patches on my face, and I'm like, what is wrong with me? What is wrong with me? So that was on a Monday. Friday night, I'm taking pictures of it with my phone because I'm like, these are not going away. And now it was spreading down my neck. I'm like, what's going on with me? What's going on? And I wake up Saturday morning with these rashes all over my face and my neck and my torso. I went to six different doctors. I battled systemic shingles for three months on steroid shots steroid pills, steroid creams, 
Um, my holistic doctor put me in a hyperbaric chamber, but he is the one that made me go see a general doctor because he knew I needed a steroid to break it. It was so bad through my whole system. Mm-hmm. My face was swollen to the point you would never recognize me on fire, burning pain. My back was covered. It would keep me up all night. I literally couldn't sleep a a, a drop because I was in so much pain. And that was for, I mean, it wasn't um, to that extent for three months, but it was six weeks out of the three months. Very bad. And this is something that, um, have you had that happen before? So I had shingles um, one other time, 10 years ago, nine years ago, isolated to a very small patch on my back. Um, And that's generally how people get shingles. It's isolated to one side of the body, kind of like a circular rash pattern. Um, Mine was systemic. So that means obviously that was throughout my whole system. Mm-hmm. that has now caused an autoimmune reaction in me where I can't eat or drink certain foods anymore. Cause if I do, I instantly start having issues again. Even if I start getting like very upset, I start to itch and it's, it's still like, you know, a lingering autoimmune issue I'm struggling with. So you were relating that to receiving the letter. So this, you feel this was like a stress reaction. Every doctor has said it. You, they did my blood panel, everything. I'm healthy. Mm-hmm. I'm healthy. This is a complete immune system problem because I'm obviously, I mean, for people to truly, you know, everybody's story is different. And just because I'm going to say I've been there for so long um, doesn't mean that I loved my position anymore, but it does show the depth of my position in the school. And I've, I've been in my school since I'm 20. You know, to many people, I am the roots of that building in, to some degree. You know, like I know families, I know children, I know the staff. I mean, maybe not this year because so many of us have been replaced or the changes that have occurred in my building. But, um, you know, since I'm 20 years old, I'm 40. <laughs> I mean, uh, I grew up in that building. That's the way I look at it. I grew up in that building. Half my life I spent there. And it's been ripped from me. Mm-hmm. You know. What, what was the status of your medical insurance while you were having this illness? Oh, I had none. None. <laughs> it's all been charged on my credit card. Okay. And my holistic doctor, though, I will say... Um, he wouldn't take anything from me. He has blessed me throughout this whole process. Um, Cause I had some minor stuff happen as well uh, that he said to me every time I was there, this is, this is stress. This is your body's response to emotional distress. He would tell me all the time, you will get better when you heal, when your heart heals, when there's closure. And, uh, he never, he blessed me continuously. He never took a dollar from me. Obviously, um, you know, the medical office is Northwell Health, where I had to go from the steroids and all that. I spent over $1,000 between different doctors and steroid shots. And <clears throat> So this was assuming that you're, 
did you ever check with your insurance, with your medical insurance? You were told that you were terminated. And of course your medical coverage would end with that if they terminated your employment. But then you were told that you had not in fact been terminated. Um, have you ever checked to see if your medical insurance was reinstated? The very first doctor I went to, I used my original medical card and I received a, a, le a letter and a, and a statement, a bill in the mail for over $300 that my insurance was um, terminated. Because under the deal, so to speak, that you were um, offered before, it was that you would be on unpaid leave for a period, but you would retain your medical insurance if you had that status, right? Only if I signed the waiver. Right. But, but there was kind of an association between being on unpaid leave and Correct. retaining your Correct. medical insurance. Right. Um, any so, leave that someone's been on, you've retained your medical insurance. Right. So now they're telling you you're on unpaid leave. Like, have you ever checked recently when they told you that, that uh, you were in fact on unpaid leave? Did you check with your medical insurance to see if you, if it came back? <laughs> I haven't checked with my medical in about two months. That I haven't. This week I checked with my status from my principal and I'm still there. This right. week. I keep checking in on that. Okay. But as of a couple of months ago, no health insurance. No. Right. No. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So let's just talk about the practical things. So no medical insurance. Your pension is in some kind of limbo because your mm -hmm. status is, your employment status is in this limbo. Um, what about the other financial aspects of this? So what has, has this whole situation cost you financially? Um, so we haven't paid our mortgage since November. Um, I am the family's health insurance. <laughs> I carry the life insurance. I carry the health insurance for our family. Um, that's obviously gone for all of us. Um, you know, I did apply for various aids and support, um, which are still an open case at the moment. I was denied unemployment <laughs> because they said that I, I even went to a hearing for it because um, I appealed the decision that I willingly knew what the consequences were for choosing to not get vaccinated. Since I knew the consequences, I chose to be unemployed. Um, I couldn't collect un unemployment. So my hands were tied until March when I received my quote unquote termination that truly is not existent. Mm -hmm. So I did work in March um, as soon as my termination came through. Um, and I virtually taught students and I also worked at a dental office a little bit. Okay. And uh, this summer, I'm teaching the SCOPE program through my community, my town, um, which is a, uh, an educational program for, for the kids over the summer. And, you know, um, since I am terminated, I can do stuff. <laughs> Did you have any difficulties um, getting that other work? I've spoken with some people who um, had... Uh, problem codes put on their files. Yes, I do too. 
I have a problem code. You have a problem code. Can you can you explain for people who don't know what a problem code is and how it affects you? Okay, a problem code is for someone who has um, basically created a problem. Who someone who um, what was the direct? I'm trying to think of the correct wording. Um, someone that should not be rehired within the system when they find fault in something. They place a problem code attached to your name and your um, your ID, your employee ID number. That problem code stays with you. Now, I do have a connection to somebody who works here out on the island, a principal, who told me that that's not available to them, but it's within the city. So if I was to apply for any other position within the city, they would see that problem code attached to my name, which... Ha- is seen, has been seen by administration in my building and stuff. So I do have that problem code. Um, I have applied out here on Long Island to over 30 schools, over 30. I've had two callbacks. I'm getting nowhere. I'm 19 years in. Uh, there's a lot of good that comes along with that, but there's a lot that schools don't want. <laughs> you know, for example. someone, for example, my salary, mm-hmm. when I'm twice the pay, um, you know, they can get someone great. They can get a young kid fresh out of school or close to fresh out of school, one, two, three years experience that costs $50,000 less than me. And the school budget only has an X amount allocated for another teacher. Right. I think a lot of people look at my resume and say, why is she starting over? You know, like, we don't want someone night. They probably look and see that I have 19 years and think that I'm 50. You know, not that I'm 40. And they're thinking, how much longer is she going to give us? Five, 10 years max, you know, like when I would be giving 10, 15 years, you know? Mm -hmm. So I know that my principal and my colleagues would give me a glowing review. But I think when you look at my resume and my experience and you put it next to, I know that hundreds of hundreds of teachers are applying to certain school districts. So my application is one of hundreds in many situations. You're talking about teachers who are in the same kind of situation you're in. Not just, not just teachers in the same situation I'm in, but just from the whole pond, all the teachers searching for jobs. Mm-hmm. There are hundreds applying to the same position, but yes, there are hundreds of us close to a thousand, you know, but with the religious exemption part, we all fall into different categories. Mm-hmm. Some of us just left and gave up and just couldn't give the fight. Some of us moved to other States, but all of us that were put in this position um, did not choose it. And that's a, you know, that's a very sensitive topic because a lot of colleagues and people believe that this was our choice. You must have had the money to be able to do this. You must be okay. And that's why you chose this. You have no clue. No, I chose this because I know there's something very wrong with the other road. And that road I could never live with. This road, I I will wake up every day and be proud of my stance. As hard as it is, I made the right choice. And I actually know that a lot of people in their heart feel the same way. They just 
couldn't make the tough choice. They had to pick what was best for them or what was easier. And this, this has not been easy. I chose a rough road, but I had to do it. In my mind, I have no choice. It was forced on me. Mm-hmm. Have you um, seen the conversation with other people about this quote unquote choice <laughs> um, mm-hmm. change over the past year or so? Um, you know, the people's responses to you, to the situation that you're in, to the fact that you decided not to comply with the mandate has, have people's reactions to that changed over time? Some, yeah. Some, but I honestly feel that if they really, if they really had a change, they wouldn't express it much because if they express an agreement it would cause them to have to make the same change. And people aren't willing to do that. So they'll stand by what they have to stand up for to maintain their life the way they're going to maintain it. So very few people, you know, I've had some people that were against, you know, um, and express their disdain for what I chose, you know, come up and say that they're proud of me or, You know, I've had some harsh statements said to me, like, well, you should have just gotten the vaccine. You know, you had this, you know, quarter of your hair fell out. You got shingles for three months. Was it worth it? You know, I've had really ridiculous comments said to me like that. And those were recent. You know, um, yeah, it was worth it (laughs) because it's it's something convicted inside of me that's so strong and I don't stand just for myself. I stand for my son and I fear the world he's going to live in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you said before that um, when you were discussing your status with the school um, and maybe with the U of T, uh, mm-hmm. somebody used some language like they're, negoti- they're in negotiations mm-hmm. now. Yeah. Did you get any sense of who's negotiating with whom? Yeah, she said the union was talking with the city because the union, she said, the woman on the phone said, the union knows that um, they have to fight for you, which there's a part of me that really doesn't believe they're putting up much of a fight. It's just a legality that is going to be lost in a sense. Um, But she said to me, she, she goes do you love teaching? And I said, of course I love teaching. You know, like I'm one of those teachers that loves teaching. And uh, she goes to me, if this is your heart, then I urge you to hold on this summer. Don't give up. Don't change your career path. She goes, I don't know what's going to turn out. I don't know what's going to happen. Don't quote me on anything, but there is talk. She said that you can't change the mandate for one and not for all meaning You can't change it for the athletes and the performers and not the teachers and the city employees. And she's, you know, she said it's an ongoing conversation. Don't lose hope. She was very positive. Um, And something's obviously going on. There's some truth to something. I mean, I don't know if you know, but there was a court case one yesterday. Yes. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? So I'm really happy for Liz and 
where this is going for her. And it's, it's a blessing. And I think it sets the precedent. How could it not? I mean, this is somebody who, um, brought a suit. This was a teacher whose religious exemption was denied. She brought a suit against the board of education, I believe. Um, Mm -hmm. and a New York state Supreme court judge just, um, ruled that she, that her exemption should have been, uh, accepted and she's to be reinstated and with back pay, I believe. Yes. Yes. From October 5th. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, people are are hoping that that will set a precedent for the other yeah. cases that are in court right now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And one of the cases um, I've contributed to uh, two of them um, specifically and the religious exemption one from the beginning, like, um, you know, Sujata Gibson and Barry Black are on fire. <laughs> they know their stuff, you know, and, they are, they are in for the long haul and a good fight, you know, and I know Patty Finn is working to help um, the NYPD, which she's hoping in turn will reflect on us as well. So we do have some strong lawyers that have significant experience. And, uh, you know, I'm always hesitant. It's not like I'm going in, you know, all hopes ahead, but um I just have to trust that there's a plan to this, you know, like there's, there's a reason I'm here at this moment. I might not like it. (laughs) It's not comfortable, but that's where there's growth, you know? Can you hold out? So um, things will kind of change. Something will happen. It seems around Labor Day, right? Mm -hmm. Because that was kind of the date when, if you had accepted their deal, that yeah. that would have been the, the end date for that. You know, it's the beginning of the school year. It seems like whatever's going on behind the scenes, that's probably when they're looking to resolve everybody's status. Uh, maybe. I'm just guessing here. Mm-hmm. Um, but is that... So you're, you're doing some work now. So you have some income. Mm-hmm. But you have significant financial issues now because mm-hmm. your mortgage is in arrears in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, you have credit card debt from your medical expenses. Oh mm-hmm. You didn't have the income that you had before. So I imagine mm-hmm. you have other expenses that you've been what covering mm-hmm. through credit or. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. <clears throat> so if you were to get your job back in, in the fall, is that something, can you, can you like hold out until then? <laughs> and then yeah. 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 I'll hold out. Um, I do believe in my soul. I don't know to what capacity. I do believe in my soul we are going to win. I don't know what direction that means. I don't know if that means reinstatement um, in the building, which I I think is the least likely. Um, You know, there's this new launch of the schools without walls. And they said they were not going to have the remote program for this upcoming year. And they are. So I'm kind of curious how that will turn out for the teachers that have been in such a predicament as, as mine. Um, my little hesitancy with that is that the schools without walls is only for high school and we're all obviously not high school certified. So that's an interesting thing. Um, I don't know if it would be in a settlement form, you know, um, because many of us people in my position that have been in the school, we might not be hireable 
you know, I've applied to over 30 schools and it's not looking promising right now. So um, that damaged my entire career, you know, so I don't know if that's a settlement that we'll be receiving. Um, I, I really don't know, but I don't, in my gut, I don't believe they'll let us back in the building. It would be some sort of twist to it. Okay, you can have your job back, but here's the conditions, whether it's remote or some sort of clerical devaluing position, in my opinion, as to what I've been. Um, but I will hold out. I mean, knowing the Board of Ed, New York City Board of Ed, it'll be on Labor Day. They will wait till the very last minute to be the most disorganized, haphazard, careless, thoughtless, um, inconsiderate group <laughs> of panel of uh, administrators. Um, and that's fine. I'll hold out and I'll pick what's best for my family, but I'm not complying. That I will not. So you're looking at uh, a couple possibility. Well, the, the, what is sounding like a realistic possibility to you right now is that you'll be given a remote teaching position for the long term. Possibly. What would that be like for you? Um, there's parts of it that are positive and parts that are negative. You know, I'm very much a very touchy feely, huggy, kissy, warm and fuzzy kind of person. So I thrive off of that, not even just for the kids' growth, but mine as a human and a functioning positive person. Um, so that affects me. Um, I'm also, you know, I, in my school building, I planned the Christmas party, the end of the year party. I'm that social person, you know. You see me walking down the hallway, I say hi. <laughs> so I miss it. I miss the camaraderie with my, you know, school family and the kids. Um, but there are benefits that are, you know, I have a family here, you know, not having a babysitter. There's a plus there. Not having a commute. I didn't even think of that right away. <laughs> when gas costs $6 a gallon, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so there's pros and cons. I find it, though, ultimately demeaning, you know, um, you're, you know, you've been classified a certain way and segregated. So I, I find it demeaning and I think it would be um, hurtful to a lot of people. What if worst case scenario, they just terminate everybody? For real. <laughs> I'll do what I got to do. I will sue them. Till my last breath, <laughs> I will. Because I believe in the end I'm gonna win, even if it takes 10 years. But uh, I'll do what I gotta do. At the end, I will be the last man standing. I'm not going in for that vaccine, so. You're, but would you be able to, like what are the options that you would consider at that point? Would you, um be able to stay in, in Long Island where you are? <laughs> um, I would hope so. You know, yeah. my husband's starting to do his business is doing well, um, finally. And that's been a nice turnaround in the last recent months. Um, so I would hope so. Uh, there's a part of me that doesn't want to stay in the state for what it stands for. I don't want my son, like I told you before, growing up thinking certain things are normal here. 
Um, but you know, as best as I, I, I will, I will, I know I'll make the right decision. I know if it's time to go, I'm going to go. You know, I always feel a spiritual influence very strong. So I know that will guide much of my decision, mm-hmm. you know? Has this um, whole episode, has this changed your point of view about politics, the city, um, Many the world that we're living in? How, how has it changed your perspective? Many things. I, um, it's changed me in a lot of ways to keep my mouth quiet, not voice so many things, not saying in a sense of I'm going to stand up for what's right. Obviously the position and the posture I'm taking in my life right now, I'm standing up for what's right. Um, but, uh, as I don't want to be judged, it's made me very careful to not allow someone else in my vicinity to feel judged for their lifestyle and their choices. Um, so I'm, I think it's made me a lot more aware uh, in general of others. Um, there's a, a very dark view I have of things as well in the world around me um, and how people are very complacent and unaware and lack intuition, in my opinion. It doesn't make me love them any less but it's a little concerning to me where there's such a lack of, of that, of intuition. Like how is, you know, I, I will often sit within my own head and say, how is your soul not screaming? This is not okay. And that's a constant thought in my head through numerous situations, you know, not just this one, but how this has affected people and their interactions with others and the family get-togethers and the socialization between people now and correspondence. Like I, there's so many times throughout a day where I'm literally saying in my own mind, like, how is your soul not screaming? This is not okay. So, you know, but in the, there's a positivity in it where I value more of within what's close to me. You know, my husband and I are closer than we've ever been. If I had to lose my job for that to happen, I would lose it all a hundred times over. Do you think that people um, are just in a lot of cases working from different information? I mean, you're, you're talking about intuition a lot and kind of, mm-hmm. you know, your, your gut feeling about <laughs> thing, things being wrong with this. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are, Tell tell us first of all about your own uh, experience with COVID and with anything you want to say about your experience with vaccines. People around you. My intuition propels my investigation. It's not like I'm just intuition, intuition, spiritual. It propels me to take action and steps into research and documents and finding people that know a lot more than I know. And, you know, I noticed that there are so many people that are not even open to that discussion because, and this is going to go back to what I said before, it allows them to remain in their circumstance. So if they open their eyes and they accept certain truths that might compromise their lifestyle, 
many people are not willing to make those changes. So it's, it's allowed me to now research based on a feeling and intuition, uh, um, whatever, you know, it's, it's not like, I just live like, you know, <laughs> floating through the wind. Like I feel not to, you know, it, it propels me to make, to take action. Mm -hmm. So I wish, you know, you can't even, it's, it's the fact that you can't even have these conversations with people. And like I said, it goes back to the fact that they, if they accept the truth or do research to find some truth in something, it may alter what they have to choose in their life. And they're not willing to do that. You know, I had COVID. That's another issue you just brought up about having COVID. I had it. I have the antibodies. Since when has that not been science? Do children that follow the um, vaccine requirements for elementary school and high school in order to attend a public school, do you know that you can get their antibodies tested for every single one of those vaccines? And if it comes back that they have the antibodies, they are exempt. So why are we not for this? It makes zero sense. And, you know, there, there are people who genuinely have been, it's, see, I look at it like it's sad. What, how sad to be confined in such a world of fear that you fear someone, that you fear you're going to get sick from them. This is sad. And these children that are my students are being influenced by people around them that this, it's okay, and you should be scared. Stay apart, wear your mask, wash your hands 20,000 times a day, stay behind your screen, isolate yourself, don't interact, don't look us in the eye, be, you know, surf, be quiet, follow as told. You ask questions, you're controversial. It's, it's ludicrous to me ludicrous to me i'm looked at like i'm some health risk in my community i mean to go out the way we went out that's how i went out after being in my building for 20 years that was my goodbye someone that has roots given her heart and soul loves the kids people know it and my colleagues too that are out they're just as wonderful i'm, I'm i know i'm boasting about myself but i should <laughs> i was a great teacher and so are my colleagues that are out and we went out like as if we have, we're meaningless. And that's okay. I get it. It's okay. People had their own opinions, their own lack of understanding. It's okay. I was there too one time. When did you have COVID yourself? Uh, it was it. It was 2021, June of 2021. June 1st. Okay. It's like a little over a year ago. Yeah. Yeah. How did, how did that go for you? Um, the hardest part for three weeks, I was extremely lethargic, total brain fog, exhausted. I could have laid, I, you know, I could have laid in bed all day and I'm a doer goer, can't sit still constantly doing stuff in the house outside in my garden. Like I'm not nonstop. And I, I could have slept all day, every day for three weeks straight. 
and you, but you, <clears throat> you felt like you recovered from that pretty oh, well. Yes. I mean, it took, I, I will say I do see it did take time. It's, you know, to me, it was a little different than a common cold. Um, in the fact that I felt winded all the time. Um, but I'm recovered. I survived, you know, it took a little bit longer than normal or a normal cold, I would say. But other than that, I mean, if it meant I had to get it again, I'd get it again and I'd survive again. I'm not afraid to get it. Did you, did you see, um, a lot of illness in your school or in your community around you? Did you see other people around you becoming more, um, severely affected by it? Um, I mean, I, I know people that, you know, were affected by it. Um, I have to throw this in. <laughs> so, you know, obviously my school building is, everybody has the vaccine because they're all working, right? Well, in the month of, I think, January, 60% of the staff was out with COVID. 60, six zero. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, safe and effective. Like, does that make any sense? Does that make any sense? But then everybody has a reason why that makes sense to them. That's scary to me. That's really scary to me. Were there other um, experiences with the vaccine that you saw that influenced your thinking? Yes. I mean, my father-in-law is permanently disabled from it. His brother, my father-in-law's brother is. After his uh, first and second shot, he had uh, serious neuropathy and difficulty moving in his legs, and he has not recovered since. And it's over. It's it's a year. It's coming up on a year. It is a year. We're in July. It's a year. It's a year that he has extreme neuropathy. My father-in-law cannot bend his legs to go up a stairs. He walks like a penguin. He says he lives in Greece, so I haven't seen him. Um. So obviously that contributed to a huge fear I have. I am, I am genuinely fearful of it, you know, other than that's part of the inside of me screaming something's really wrong here has to do with my fear of what is this is about and what it could do to me. I genuinely have that fear and I fear it for people I love. I do. So you said your, your father-in-law and his brother and his so brother they both have a neuropathy mm-hmm. condition. Um, yeah. How was how that, how is it determined that that was related to the vaccine? So my father-in-law that lives in Greece, um, the doctors that he sees, one of them admitted to him that this is a side effect he is seeing because my father-in-law brought it up. But he said that he will never document it because they'll never know for certain. It's too soon. And I don't know the correspondence my father-in-law's brother has had with his doctors. All I know is that he has the same condition, similar, very similar, um, because they're both brothers. And when it happened to him, he called, obviously, us immediately. He was like, I cannot believe, you know, this happened. Again, I think you guys are right, because my father-in-law has a very bad heart condition. 
So a lot of the things that I've researched about it is there are extreme side effects with your heart, neuropathy, neurological disorder, and immune. So I was petrified for his heart, nothing else. And I thought it would cause him to have some serious, serious issues that would be detrimental. And my husband as well. I mean, my husband is very close to his father. So he was really scared. And we expressed it to him and told him, you can't, you really can't. Just wait it out. What's the rush? That's what we kept saying. I mean, that was really my stance with a lot of people was, what's the rush? Just wait. You don't have to rush. This is brand new. Like, give it time to, don't be the test. Let it be tested. You know? So, so you're saying that you um, said this to him before he took the vaccine. Oh, yeah. And then he took it. What, what was the t time between him taking the vaccine and developing this um, neuropathy con condition? Um, after he took the first Pfizer shot, he didn't feel right. He was having some pain in his legs, some discomfort. And then months later, when he had the second Pfizer shot, two weeks later, he was completely immobilized. It was... It was a gradual after the two weeks. So his second shot, he didn't feel well the next day, progressively worse, progressively worse for two weeks. And uh, it got to such an extreme point with motion and, and pain. And it was a similar kind of timeline with his brother. With his brother. Mm -hmm. A matter of weeks, like yeah. feeling unwell immediately after and then a matter of weeks later developing a, a more severe condition. Correct. So, so you've seen a bunch of things that only increase your mm -hmm. uh, misgivings. Would be not a serious enough word about the about the vaccine. Um, do you did did you also though? Did you see people having really negative experiences with COVID itself? Was that something that you saw around you? Or yeah, I, I'm, but see, I I don't like to really touch on this because. I don't trust the medical professionals anymore. You know, I, I, I know a little bit. Um, there was a case, someone that I loved um, was treated with rendesimir. And I've read a lot about rendesimir. It's actually illegal in other countries. And I don't believe COVID killed this person. I believe rendesimir did. So, you know, I believe that some people do get genuinely sick and obviously need healthcare professionals, but I believe the treatment in which we're being given is really not appropriate to support someone's uh, restoration of health. Um, so, you know, I follow Dr. Pavleski. Um, his office is in Northport uh, and he's a world renowned doctor. And um, he's works with Dr. Cher and Dr. Tim Penny and a bunch of other uh, really educated people that I personally trust. So I've just, I've been exposed to too much to sit back at, you know, and say that the per people I have a personal experience um, with, I, I have many questions um, in some of the cases regarding uh, the depths of their, you know, COVID experience. I, I you know, I'm, I'm not, it's, it's a hard thing for me to touch on because I could be easily judged. 
by what I'm saying. And I and don't want to come off that way because I do know that there are cases where people are genuinely really sick, mm-hmm. but I also know cases where people were made to be really sick. Mm-hmm. So. Um, the, I, I'm, I'm sorry to hear about, I understand what you're telling me about the person that you knew. I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. Um, the the doctors that you're mentioning are people who have been attacked pretty vociferously in the mainstream media. Uh, I think some of them were on the what, what did they call it the um, the worst doctors the um, the worst purveyors of uh, medical misinformation. What do you make of it when you see? Um, it's a joke. It just makes me not believe the media further. Because these are doctors that were world renowned, that were the most published, most peer reviewed doctors of all time. America's frontline doctors. Go ahead. It's a whole panel of them. And they, and it, to me, it, you, <laughs> you can't wake up one day the worst doctor in the world when you have spent a lifetime being the best. I, it just makes me laugh. And this is what, you know, people are are choosing to not see and they just brush you off over these things like i'm not talking about doctors that just graduated medical school with no experience these are world renowned that people other than michelle know and have known and have heard about and have like i said the most published peer-reviewed doctors are being silenced and told that they're speak you know that they're fake news and that they're reporting false information and no they're not you know, and I, the, people don't want to hear it. Where, where do you think we go from here with public health information, with the medical system? Like, you're really saying that you've just lost confidence in all of that. Um, mm-hmm. But seems like an important thing to have in society, right? <laughs> um, a medical field that you can rely on to give you the right information to give you accurate information, give you treatments that are safe yeah. and effective, as they say. Um, what do you do? You see any way of restoring confidence or reforming the system that we have? What it would need has to happen. The system needs reform, but the, there isn't so many ways of movement that's even happening out here on Long Island that is exploding with people searching for the really the holistic route and not the pill and not the the pill that needs another pill that needs another pill to cure that pill because the side effect from that pill, you know, they're like, when I'm at the office at Dr. Pavleski and Cher's office, it is packed, you know, um, with people that are, are now seeking out their advice. So there is a reform. There is this new world of like people that are looking for that holistic approach. Um, you know, there's a little bit of an awakening in this area, well, you know, Oh, thanks. Thanks. Um, but you know, to me, it's not, it's not big enough yet. You know, it would, it would need reform. The whole healthcare system is imploding. It's, um, you know, it's not anything. I'm, I'm struggling in that area. I struggle with it with him. I basically heal, self-treat everything 
with him, you know, using holistic products like Boreon, a silicosium and essential oils. And I'm like crazy, you know, cause I'm so afraid to contaminate him, you know, and to have anything affect him. Cause I know that a pill only needs another pill that only needs another pill, you know? And you got to get to the root of it. Our bodies are amazing. And what they can do, how they function is on its own is just amazing, let alone how they can even heal themselves. And we don't know that. We just don't have the education. You know, they're not educated. Doctors in the medical field are not educated to help you holistically. They're not telling you, you know, instead of telling a diabetic to stop eating X, Y, and Z, you're given a pill. You know, but you wouldn't be a diabetic if you need X, Y, and Z. Like it's, there's such clear, easy ways to help ourselves naturally. The foods we eat are our nutrition. You know, you eat something from a processed package every day, your body's going to struggle to process it. And there's no nutritional value. So your body is not gaining any substance. Your immune system is being bombarded. Your body's fighting to get rid of it. And you're in this constant turmoil inside. So you have to, I mean, it's like we're not educated to look at food as something to promote our health, to keep our bodies running. I want to live a long time. I want to watch my son have children, you know, like, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it like I'm Mrs. Whole and perfect here with my food. We all have our cheats and stuff in our moments, but nutritionally food it should be looked at in a way to uh promote our health and and sustain our health instead it's almost like we've turned to medication for that vitamins yeah i mean you're you're talking about a couple things you're talking about doing a couple things in your life that i think that i'm seeing more and more over this past couple years one is one is uh moving toward a kind of a holistic health approach away from you know the medical establishment and the other is homeschooling Mm -hmm. uh which is people really just not looking to the system being reformed but leaving the system mm-hmm. <laughs> um, for, for an alternative and trying to create an alternative. Is that something that you're seeing a lot of around? Oh, yeah. As well? I didn't even know this community was as broad as it is out here. But now being in the position I'm in, I've gone to actually some homeschool meetings and parents that are part of this whole movement. And it's been great. I mean, it's educated me royally to something I've never, <laughs> never, ever is thought. one or two? Uno means one. Oh, is it one? Oh, one or two cards? Two. Oh, yes. Um, you know, I, I, from that, I can say to you even this. My brother has four children that were homeschooled okay. for over a decade. Oh, my brother was a missionary in Africa. Hold on. Hold on. And I judged my brother within, not outwardly, so harshly that something was going to be wrong with him and his kids and they would be so far behind academically, emotionally, socially, all these judgments I had and what a disadvantage he was giving his children because here I am an educator, right? And my brother's kids are the smartest, most polite, most adaptable. Hey, Mom, you can't touch it. Oh, one. What? Yeah. 
child. Thanks. Um, children I've ever met in my life. And it only wasn't until these, this recent year and a half that I was able to say, holy cow, you judged him so harshly within. And I never had any confrontation with him. That's his family, his choice. But I really did. And I thought of myself as something better because I was a teacher educating children. I knew what my kids were getting. They had the best of the best. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And I'm realizing that's, you know, like I learned this year and a half, two years, that that is not by any means the case. Those children are, and I know now children in that community that I never would have known before. And they are brilliant. Not, you know, of course, we've got the whole, the whole rainbow, you know, you got the highest, the lowest and everything, but by no means does it, does it uh, minimize who, what they, or who they could become. Or does it set limits like I had in my brain? It was such a disservice. It's wrong. Mm -hmm. Do you think that the just having the internet has changed things for homeschooling? I, I mean, yeah. obviously it, it, it has, but, um, but do yeah. you think that that's kind of made it a much more rich and viable option for people? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. The parents have resources they've never had before you know, and so many on a variety of subjects and topics and even just platforms for kids to have communication with others, you know, it's, mm -hmm. I mean, it's opened the world up for, for them. Mm -hmm. For sure. So do you kind of see that's the way forward for a lot of people just yeah. to kind of opt out okay. of these systems that, Absolutely. that you don't think uh, that are just too far away from reform. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think there's any downside to that? Like, what does that mean for our, <laughs> for our society? So the downside that I see to it, I also see within the structure of the school system. And the biggest problem I have that I see in the students today is communication. They don't know how to communicate with each other or with an adult. They don't know how to look you in the eye. They're so used to being stuck behind a screen. So I'm, it's, so just because you go to school doesn't mean you have the social aspect of things down pat. It's about, honestly, it's about your parents or whoever's raising you, making you aware and saying, hey, look me in the eye, bud, I'm talking to you. If you ever sit back, and notice a lot of parents while they're talking to their kids are like this. Mm -hmm, yeah. Yeah. Great. Good job. And the kid knows. They're looking at the screen. You're saying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kids know it. They know when they're not getting a real attention, they know it because they actually keep asking or keep saying the same thing. They repeat it because yeah. they know that you weren't present. So I see that in both, you know, like the hard thing virtual for me, was a student that wouldn't turn on their screen because I can read, you know, you can read, people can read some body language, facial expressions and all that to get an idea when you're blacked out completely, you know, that, you know, and sometimes there's a kid that will fully communicate verbally with you, but it's the fact that they cannot look you in the eye. They cannot be present with you. It's like they can't connect. And I mean, just these two weeks I'm teaching scope right now, you know, like 
it, it reminds me of that, what I saw last year in my kids, even in the school building. You know, it, it was virtual and it was in the school building and it's still here today while I'm teaching in scope. And it kills me because um, I really value connection. I find it to be the foundation of learning that if my kids in my class don't connect with me, they're not going to learn much from me that they need to feel connected because it brings um, an attention and awareness a wanting to please a respect, a mutual feeling between the two of you that it just allows the door for learning to really open. So when you don't have those fundamentals, it hurts big time in life with your growth and your development as you pursue mm -hmm. even careers, you know? So I see that on both ends. It's not like I can sit back and say, the biggest problem I see is in both the in-person setting and the virtual, mm -hmm. not driven by one. What have I not asked you about? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. Just tell me my crystal ball. Get to it already. <laughs> Get to it already. Tell me the future. <laughs> um, well, I would like you to tell me the future when the future arrives. Um, <laughs> You know, get get back to us and, you know, yeah. I, I want to hear from you and everyone else who was in the same boat or a similar kind of boat um, in September about what happens then. Um, Thank you for uh, being a platform and a voice for us, like hearing our stories. So many people wouldn't dare. Most people. It's too sensitive. So, like, <laughs> anytime someone, like, is a voice for us or does that it like, you know, just know you're a good person. <laughs> Thank you. A lot of people don't know. More people are unaware than are aware. You know, I meet new people each day or each week or whatever. And when I share my story, if I do, they're appalled. Appalled. So thank you for being part of that. Well, I hope that everyone listening will share your story that you you've just told. <laughs> um, the this podcast exists so that you can tell your story, talk about your point of view, and hopefully a larger and larger audience mm -hmm. will hear about it so that people do are aware of what's going on and we can have some thoughtful conversations about you know in public about um, mm -hmm about this situation, what we need to do going forward. Mm -hmm. Thank you.